desperate for hope that recovery from your eating disorder is possible, do you feel afraid, ashamed, alone, or misunderstood? Or maybe you know someone struggling, but you don't know how to help. Friend, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Recover With God podcast, where you'll hear stories of recovery, personal and professional advice, and hope that only comes from God. You are not alone. You are understood. And God is here right now to walk this journey with you. All right, and welcome to the Recover With God podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and I'm happy you're here. Today, I have Brittany Ann joining me to share her story and encourage you. Hi, Brittany Ann. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so happy you are willing to join me on the podcast and share your story and encourage other women. So first question that I love to ask everyone uh, because zeal is one of my favorite words. Um, and my own definition of zeal is living with a passionate pursuit of a purpose. So I just want to hear what does living with zeal look like in your own life right now? Right now, it looks like examining all of the things that I am doing and seeing if they are suitable for the life that I say I want to lead in the future. It's just coincidental that this is a season of life that I'm in right now where I have done a lot of things. Um, We've all done lots of things over my life, over our own lives. And going forward, I'm really just putting everything on the table before God right now and saying, okay, what am I doing that I should be doing? What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? Like, show me. It is all on the table. If there's anything you want me to do, I am here. If there's anything you don't want me to do, like I will lay it down. Totally fine. I just don't want to get stuck in that rut of, okay, this is just what I have always done because it's what I've always done. I want to take the time to figure out what's working, what's not working. Where am I going? Where do I need to make improvements? Where do I need to stop worrying about making improvements? Um, Because we're never going to be perfect and that's okay. But just to be more mindful of the ways that we're spending our time and attention and focus. I love that, especially that you brought up ruts because I think being in a rut is sort of the anti side of zeal because zeal is, you know, just pursuing and, and putting God into it. That's, that's key for me as well. So that's a beautiful answer. I love it. Um, and now I'd, I'd like you to open up and, and share your story, whatever you'd like to share with, um, our listeners about who you are and your journey with, um, having an eating disorder. Sure. Um, So as you mentioned a minute ago, my name is Brittany Ann. Um, I run the website equippinggodlywomen.com now, where I challenge, encourage, and equip busy Christian moms to go all in in their faith and family. And that's something that, like we talked about a minute ago with zeal, is really important to me. I don't want to just live a mediocre life. I want to live an amazing life. I want to take advantage of everything that God has for me. Um, but that was not always part of my story. Um, while now I'm really trying to focus on leaning in and living up to this amazing, beautiful adventure that God has for us. Um, that really wasn't my focus when I was younger. Um, I did grow up in a wonderful Christian family. My grandpa was a pastor. My mom has been the church pianist for decades. So very happy Christian family. Um, so I don't want anything to come across as me saying anything negative about them because every parent does their best. Um, and I had great parents, but there was a time 
in about the middle of my childhood where they went through some things that were difficult that led them to not have as much emotional energy and attention for me as I could have used in that time of my life. Um, They just were not able to be as emotionally available as I would have liked at that time. Um, And as a result, I just felt really alone. Um, I felt very unloved. It wasn't you know, I'm not blaming it on them at all. I think it's a very normal part of development as you're going into the preteen and the teen years. Um, it's very normal, but I went through the season where I just didn't feel very lovable. I didn't feel very good or good enough. And rather than being surrounded by people who could love me and support me and say, no, you're wonderful. And, you know, encourage me and support me in all of the things. I just didn't have people around me who were able to do that in the way that I needed them to. Um, The church that I went to at the time was a very legalistic, small church. Um, I did go to church every Sunday, but they really were more focused on the rules and making sure that we did the right thing. It wasn't all about the relationship, although I'm sure that they did teach us the gospel and to have a relationship with God was part of it, but it was the message that I got was, okay, once you have that relationship, you need to follow the rules. You need to be a good girl. And this is what good girls do. Good girls do this and good girls don't do this. And it wasn't like a fire and brimstone kind of message where they were saying, oh, there's going to be consequences, but it was very clear. You are expected to behave in this specific way. And so I, of course, wanted to live up to that. And also all throughout youth group, and this will tie in a little bit later, but all throughout youth group, the message that we got, because this was right in the middle of purity culture, was that boys only want one thing. Boys only want one thing. They're not after your personality. They're not after anything. Boys want your body. That's what matters. And I think it really taught us to objectify ourselves as well as to objectify the boys that we knew because they weren't these godly men. I was never taught like these are really godly men. I was taught, hey, they can't control themselves. They only want one thing. So at this time, the culture in the 90s was very much thin is in and it's just the message everywhere. So that's why I'm not blaming any specific person. Um, It was just all around me where um, the culture and the magazines and the books and the media and even Um, our parents were affected like that. I remember seeing my mom being unhappy with her body. And so it was just a message that was constantly around me is that I needed to be pretty enough. I needed to look good enough. I needed to be physically attractive enough. And that is where my worth was going to come from. So there was a day where this is just a random day. My mom had a scale in her room, um, which is very normal thing to do. And I just wandered into her room as a child um, and stood on the scale and I saw the number. Um, and I don't want to say exact numbers only because I don't want to be triggering for people. Um, but I stepped on the scale and I saw the number, which would have been, I'm sure a very healthy weight for me as a child. I was always naturally thin. Um, but I remember stepping on still to this day, remember stepping on the scale and seeing that number and thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't weigh quite this much. Mm -hmm. And that's really where it started. It wasn't this big traumatic thing. It literally was just finding my mom's scale and stepping on it and saying, you know, I don't, I don't think this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know enough to process that. I don't know enough to like, go talk to somebody about it. I just felt, I don't think this is a good thing. And so after that, as I continued to grow up, um, it so happened that I got my own computer and this was back when computers were not super common and people didn't have them. And it wasn't even a family computer. It was myself. Um, I got my own computer, somehow a, 
uh, a family friend had one and they gave it to me. And so I ended up with a computer in my room that was not a family computer. It was just mine. It had no parental controls. No one else ever used it. No one else ever got on it. No one ever looked at what I was looking at. Um, And I could just be in my room for hours at a time on my computer. So when I felt Mm -hmm. like I couldn't connect with my family, I could get on the computer and I could find people. You're making the space. This is like, yep, I know exactly where this is going. Um, because like so many red flags now that I'm a parent, I'm like, there's so many bad things. Um, but yeah, so I got on the computer. So one day I was just randomly online. I think I was on WebMD. So not like a, any, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't looking for trouble. I wasn't doing anything I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I found an article that said that there were chat rooms specifically designed to help anorexic people be more anorexic. And I want to be careful with what I say here again, because I want to make parents and grownups aware of the dangers while also not giving people ideas. Um, because that's exactly so what real though. I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't doing anything. I was just randomly online. And I was like, oh, there's rooms like this. Interesting. Let me go check those out. So I absolutely um, dove right on in, joined all of these groups, made my username. And when I wasn't spending time with my family, um, because I didn't do a lot of that, I was constantly as a teenager in my room by myself in these chat rooms, talking with other people about how we could um, starve ourselves, basically. Um, So that kind of, I don't know the exact timeline of what kicked off when, um, but that was another big thing that fed into this. Mm. Um, Around the time I remember in ninth grade, I had a very, very good friend who I still remember this also distinctly. She's a very good friend. I don't fault her for anything. I don't fault anyone for anything. Um, but she came up to me one day at, in high school, in the hallway, in between classes, and just came up to me as a very dear friend who was had all of the best interests and intentions in mind. And she came up to me and she said, hey, Brittany, I just want to let you know that me and this other girl who we had all been friends for years, um, she was a good friend too, me and this other girl, we were talking about you and we think that you're starting to think too highly of yourself. And I was oh. mortified. Wow. I yeah. still think that she did it out of love, just like friendly feedback. Like I want friends around me who would give me this, you know, friendly feedback. If I'm doing something wrong, I would want to know. Um, but in that minute, it did not feel great. Um, so to be told that I think too highly of myself, um, and just be absolutely mortified in high school. I made a promise to myself right then and there that I would never think too highly of myself again. So that kind of kicked off the next few years um, where I struggled with a lot of depression. I struggled with a lot of spiritual warfare. I dove headfirst into being anorexic. Um, I didn't eat. I didn't. Um, I tried to stay away from friends so that I could not eat. Um it was not a secret that I wasn't eating, but it's still the kind of thing that you kind of hide as much as you can so you can get away with it more than you um, know that you should be doing. Um, I was working as a waitress at the time, so I would go to work and people at work would just assume that I had eaten at home and people at home would just assume that I was eating at work um, or I would skip lunch and I would go to the library or I would do you know any number of things. Um, I remember asking my mom to make me like, hey, can you make me a grilled cheese sandwich so that I could go throw it away later because she would think that I was eating because I had asked her to make me a sandwich that I had no intention of eating. Um, So I was doing all kinds of sneaky things and everybody knew that something was going on, but nobody really knew what to do about it. 
And so I was sent to counselors, but not really any good ones. Um, None of them helped. I went to school guidance counselors who sent me to other guidance counselors who sent me to like Christian groups, who sent me to um, like support groups within school and all of the things. And none of it was helpful at all. Um, I just knew I was super depressed. I didn't know why there was nothing wrong. I, like I said, I had a great family. We went to church. Like there was not a single thing in my life where I could have looked back and said, like, this is bothering me. Everything I had good grades. Um, people were not mean to me. I was not bullied. Nothing was wrong, but Mm -hmm. I was just so depressed. Um, so eventually I ended up talking with my youth pastor who knew that there was something very obviously going on with me. And he said, Hey, there's this thing called spiritual warfare. And I think you need to know about it. And growing up, I had never learned about spiritual warfare and I didn't know anything about it. Um, So I didn't even know it was a thing, Um, but I have actually right here in front of me, this book that he had taken me through and it's called the steps to freedom in Christ by Neil Anderson. Um, It is super old book. It's like decades old, but like still I own a copy and like, will not be getting rid of this copy because this is, is like gold to me. Um, but he said, okay, we're going to meet once a week and we're going to go through this thing. And so it's a process where you go through where you have to systematically go through and identify here are all of the like sins that I've participated in. Here are all of the things like if I have ever participated in witchcraft or have I've ever done anything with other religions or these sins or that sins, like you go through systematically in prayer with a person to help you. Um, yeah. And you can everything, repent of everything, all of the things. So the first week, not a big deal. We'll go through the things. Um, no big deal. The second or third week, I don't remember how fast we went through it. Um, but I still have it right here in front of me. It's additional questions to help you become aware, aware of counterfeit religious experiences. Question number four, as I'm going down this list, have you ever made a secret vow or pact or inner vow? I will never. And as soon as I read that, I was like, yes, I did. I made a secret pact in my mind that day that I would never think too highly of myself again. And I don't know all the answers. I don't know how it works, but I know that Satan grabbed hold of that and he used that. And that was what had led to me um, dealing with unexplained depression um, for the next several of years is because I had made that promise. I would not think too much of myself and I sure didn't for several Mm -hmm. years. Um, So that was one of the first things that led to me getting better was that um, we had gone through this process. And so I renounced that and broke that tie and said, you know, sorry for that. I repent of that. I don't agree with that anymore. Um, I want to not do that anymore. Um, But getting better was not an immediate overnight process. Um, It definitely was. Yeah, it was a process. It was something that took time. It wasn't an immediate, oh, yesterday I hated myself. And today, like life is sunshine and roses. Um, Also around high school, I had a lot of stomach pain towards the end of high school. And my parents took me to the doctor to say, you know, what, what's going on here? And the doctor told me, oh, I think you may have a milk allergy. So let's like test that. And I remember thinking, even as a child at that time, I was like, how do I have a milk allergy? I'm like in my late teens, I've drank milk my entire life. I do not have a milk allergy, but I, you know, went the whole month without having any milk and it didn't make a difference. And my dad went, came up to me after the fact, Um, or after we'd gotten this idea, not a diagnosis, but an idea from the doctor. And he said, you know, I know that you don't really eat. And probably what's happening is because you're not eating your stomach acid, instead of eating your food is eating your stomach. And that's probably why you have all of this pain. 
And he didn't even tell me like, Hey, don't do this. Or like any kind of thing. It was just, Hey, this is probably what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. And so at the time I was like, Oh, okay, that explains it. Like I didn't have a problem with that. Oh, oh, my body is deteriorating from the inside out. Cool. Like, that's fine. Like, I don't care, but that makes sense. Um, it was kind of my reaction. Um, so again, everybody knew, but nobody really knew what to do about it. Um, and nothing was really helping a lot. Um, but going through the steps to freedom in Christ really did help. Um, another thing that really helped was I had, and this would not work for everybody, but it totally worked on me. Um, I had a friend in high school that came over one day. It was a boy, um, not a boyfriend though, but just a guy who came over mm-hmm. and he knew because everybody knew that I wasn't eating. And he came to me and he sat at the table for dinner. He came over for dinner. And he looked at me and he said, Brittany, you think that you are only hurting yourself when you don't eat, but you are hurting everyone around you. You just don't see it. And I am going to sit here and I am not going to eat until you eat because you need to know that your actions have an effect on other people. You need to know that what you are doing isn't just hurting you. It's hurting other people too. And this boy sat there in the seat. My mom is in the same room. Like she couldn't hear what we were talking about, but he sat there with his arms folded and he just looked at me and was like, I'm not eating a bite until you put some food in your mouth and just sat there and stared at me. And I was like, this is not fair. I don't like this. You're a big jerk because I had no problem hurting myself. And that was fine. In my family that I grew up in food was love and I didn't love myself. So I didn't feed myself. And I had no problem with that. I could hurt myself. I didn't care, but I wasn't going to do that to another person. He didn't deserve that. I knew how to starve myself, but I couldn't do that to somebody else. So it totally worked. I totally ate dinner that day. And I could have, you know, just been like, okay, well now you're gone. And like, we'll go do things later. Um, But I didn't, it really was part of a turning point for me and seeing, okay, what I am doing isn't just affecting me. It's affecting other people as well. Yeah. So how I actually started to get better is over the next couple of years. Um, it just kind of gradually started to get better. And then I met my husband and we got pregnant very quickly, um, before we were married. Um, and all of a sudden I was home in an apartment with a baby and I just knew that there was no way that I would not take care of my baby. Mm. I could very easily not take care of my own body. I don't care about, I mean, I care more today, but back then I didn't care about like, it's fine. It was fun. It was a game. It didn't matter. I would happily hurt my body, but I was not going to do that to my Mm. baby. And so between being pregnant for nine months and then breastfeeding after that, and then having another child come along and just, even when I wasn't pregnant or breastfeeding, like I had little ones, I had toddlers, they needed a mom, they needed me there. And I knew that I couldn't put my desire to be thin or my desire to be anything above their health and their safety. So that was really the thing that completely broke it for me, where today I do not have an eating disorder at all. I would mm-hmm. say that I am completely eating disorder free. I don't know if there's like a test for that, but no, I do not have an eating disorder anymore. Um, it is not something that I worry about at all. I, there are, I would not say that I am completely healthy um, in the sense that I do still have a little bit of disordered eating. There are things that trigger me that make me wish I had an eating disorder, just being honest. Um, I still wish that I could lose weight. There's a lot of things that I wish that I could do. But 
none of that matters as much as taking care of my babies and the good work that God has called me to do here at Equipping Godly Women and being a good wife to my husband and all of the other things. So for me, the thing, it was a lot of things. It wasn't one thing that was like the magic cure that, oh, all of a sudden I'm better. Um, Figuring out spiritual warfare was a big piece of it. Seeing that my actions were affecting others was a big piece of it. And especially being a mom and having a bigger why um, where I feel like I can't, I can't play around with that anymore. Like yeah. that's not serving me. The goals that I have for my life, the things that I want, the things that really matter to me, um, that's not going to help with that. Now I still do. I do want to lose weight. I still like, that's probably never going to go away until the day that I die. Like that's just what it is. And I don't have a problem with that, but now it's a matter of, okay, I need to figure out how I can take care of my body in a way suits my purposes. I don't have to use anorexia in order to be thin enough. I don't have to use that in order to be loved or to be worthy. It's a tool, but it's not a very good one. And there's a lot of much better ones out there. I love that you brought up, even after you know you've recovered, that you still have those moments of struggle. And I think that goes back to the spiritual warfare that you talked about and how on this earth, we're going to deal with that every single day. And so I think knowing that even in recovery or after recovery, there's not really a time when you can say, okay, well, you know, I'm never going to feel this way again, or the devil's never going to attack me again. And so are there any tips that you would share with someone when you do feel those spiritual attacks, even now to combat them? Yeah, I think for me, Remembering my why or remembering what's really important to me is the thing that helps the most. I think that Satan is always going to throw things at us, whether it's an eating disorder, whether it's anything like that's just what he does. He's annoying. Um, I say stuff like that all the time and I'm probably inviting more spiritual warfare on myself, but um, I will continue to say Satan is annoying. He knows Mm -hmm. what he's doing. He's been at this for years. He knows exactly how to get under your skin. Um, If it were effective for him to come up to you and be like, hey, why don't you go murder somebody? Like, no, you're not going to do that. So he doesn't go after us in that way. He goes after us in the way that we know is going like our weak spot. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I think it's just being aware of, yeah, he's going to do it, but I don't have to listen. Satan's not the boss of me. He's not a very good boss. He's got my worst interests in mind. Um, I think it comes down to knowing and just truly fully believing at my core um, that God knows what he's doing, that God loves us, just abundantly loves us, that he knows what he's doing. And even when we don't see how it's going to work out, I think there's just been too many times in my life, because this is, you know, it's been a journey. I have so many stories I could share. There's been too many times in my life where God has come through when it didn't make sense. And I didn't see what would happen. There's been way too many times where God has told me do X, Y, Z thing. And I have been stubborn and I have said, no, I don't want to. Oh yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. And then I finally just done it. And as soon as I do, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And it's been so many times now. It's just comical where it's just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. um, God keeps telling me to do things. I never want to do them. Well, not never. I often want to be difficult. 
but it turns out it's not that bad. So now when I sense Satan being his pesky little self, I just think of him as an annoying fly. I'm like, yes, I know you're there. I know you're buzzing around. You have an opinion, but I don't have to care. I don't have to listen. I can just be like buzz away, like go, like shoe. Um, I don't have to listen to you because I have enough experience to know. And I think that that's something that you only get with experience. Mm. The first couple of times you listen to God, it's really hard. You don't oh, have yeah. that experience. That's when you go back in the Bible and we are so fortunate and so thankful. The Bible is chock full, chock full of so many amazing. That's why I love that I talk all the time about reading the Bible. Um, because the Bible is chock full of so many amazing stories of people who did good things and bad things and how it turned out. And it's hilarious reading it to my kids now. And I'm like, and the Israelites again, but then knowing myself, again. I'm like, and, and Brittany again. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's just life. And I think, yeah. You just keep getting up and you keep trying and you know, nobody's perfect. We're going to mess up. That's okay. God's grace is big enough. Um, And just keep your focus on your why and keep your focus on how much God loves you and that his way truly is best. And there are ways to get all of the things that you want, but to get them in a better way. Um, Because I really believe it's not wrong to want to be thin. It is not wrong to want to be loved. It is not wrong to want to have some sense of agency and control over your life. Mm -hmm. And when you think about eating disorders, that's often where these things stem from. We want to be loved. We want to be valued. We want to be skinny. Okay. There's not a single thing wrong with any of those things. God created us to want to be loved. That is a God-given desire. Oh, yes. The issue is how we go about getting that love. Yeah, no, that's... Another good point. I love just the simplicity of shooing the devil away. Not that it is simple to do, yeah. but the I think I like those analogies where you can you can just visualize yourself doing it. So I love that you you gave that example. I hope that helps anyone listening to just do the same. It'll probably help me later today. Yeah. Um, you know, inevitably it will happen. And and just hearing you talk about um not only just what you've learned from the Bible, but sharing it with your kids too. That's so yeah. That's so powerful because you've, you've gone through so much and you've learned so much and, and just hearing how you want to make sure that they're, you know, they're learning things too. Um, so I do want to shift a little bit into what advice you might give, because you talked a lot about, you know, people in your life and they weren't sure what to do or how to help you. And is there any advice that you would give to a family member, a mom, a friend, anyone who might know someone now who's struggling and they just don't know how to help or even know, like, should I say something? What should I say? What shouldn't I say? Yeah. I think first of all, it is okay to not know all of the answers. Um, When you get your precious bundle of joy from the hospital, they don't come with a big old instruction manual. And when I was pregnant with my oldest, I literally like set up camp in the library and read every book. And still you cannot be prepared for all of the things that you're going to deal with. And every child is different. So it is totally okay. I do not fault my parents at all for not knowing what to do, because how do you know what to do? I have things that I deal with with my kids today that I still, I don't know how to deal with this. And that's okay. You don't have to know all of the things. Um, But there are some things that I have very, very intentionally done with my children um, in order to set them up with the best chance of success possible. So I do have a little girl. She is eight years old. And so right now she's still little enough that we haven't gotten into all of the issues yet. 
I have read a statistic. I cannot repeat it because it's been too long now since I read it, but it was talking about um, by eight years old, that's when this stuff really starts kicking in with body issues and eating disorders. Um, it's early. That's so really you yeah. cannot wait. I mean, if you're daughter is past that point, it's not too late. Or your son, boys can have eating disorders too. If mm-hmm. your children are past that point, it's not too late. It is never too late. You can absolutely yeah. words of grace and all of the things. But if your kids are still little, um, start talking to them young. And there's so many messages that I am drilling into my kids from the time that they are babies, both my boys and my girls. Uh, well, I only have one girl. But from the time that they are little, I'm drilling into their heads because I know eventually they're going to go out into the culture. They're going to get in this like cesspool that is our media. They're going to have Satan try to attack them. They're going to have so many things that they're going to face. Some things that I know because there's things that have been around for a really long time and some things that haven't even been invented yet. And I can't prepare my kids because they haven't existed yet. So I am trying now to lay the foundation so that when they encounter these things Mm -hmm. and they will, they've got the really good foundation. Um, so for me that specifically in the area of, um, body image, we talk a lot, first of all, just making sure that they know how much I love them. I tell them constantly, like, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's easy to just roll off the tongue, but like, do you know how much I love you? I'm so excited to see you today. I'm so lucky to be your mom. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. I love, like, how did I get so lucky to be your mom? I'm constantly telling my kids, I love you. Do you know how much I love you? Do you know how much your dad loves you? Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know that God is just amazing and he can create all of the things and he created you and that's so special. Like he created you to be amazing. So I'm filling them up with these words of you are created by God. And I also talk about God's purpose and their plan and his plan for their lives. So you know what? Someday God has this really exciting plan for you. I don't know what it is yet. We have tons of time to figure it out. It's totally fine. But I am so excited to see because he has something for you. It's going to be so fun figuring out what that is. So we're talking meaning and purpose. God has something for you. He created you and he made you unique and special. And he gave you this specific skill. And maybe he didn't give you this skill, but that's okay because you don't need that one. He gave you this one because he has something special specifically for you. So we're talking about that all the time. Um, We're talking about our bodies being healthy. We talk about eating in moderation. Mm -hmm. I am very intentional about, I do not ever um, speak negatively about my body in front of my Mm -hmm. children. Not that I don't have those thoughts inside my head, um, but I keep those as inside thoughts because I do not want to put that on my children. So we talk all the time about being healthy and strong and we eat our vegetables because we want to take good care of our bodies and we eat our cookies because they're joyous and they're fun and there's not bad foods. Well, we talk about, you know, I'm a little biased against Taco Bell. But we talk about healthy (laughs) foods and we enjoy healthy foods and we enjoy things in moderation and we have some vegetables and we also have plenty of treats and it's not a bad thing. And we enjoy all of them because we want to be healthy and strong. Um, And just telling them all the time, your bodies are perfect just the way they are. Um, Because my daughter has started to ask some questions like that. Um, It really stuck with me. We were driving a couple of months ago and we passed some place that was like an eyebrows kind of store. And she said, oh, what is that store? Eyebrows. Do you buy eyebrows there? And I said, well, some women might think that they have uh, like too many hairs on their eyebrows, like they're growing, like where they're not supposed to be. So Mm -hmm. some women like to get their eyebrows shaped a certain way to make them look extra beautiful. And she said, do I have extra hairs on my eyebrows? And I said, no, you don't. You're perfect just the way you are. Um, So she's still little enough 
I feel like we're just starting to get to those conversations. Um, but it is something that I'm so mindful of to say, you know, God made you and you're beautiful and there's things you can do. Like I wear makeup because I enjoy it because that's fun because I like to look my best. I like to do these things. It's not because I hate myself. It's because God gave me a body and I want to do great things with it. I want to take good care of it. I want to have energy. I want to be alive for a really long time. So I try to make sure that all of our conversation is really positive. Our bodies are amazing mm-hmm. and they can do really great stuff. Um, yeah. Just before this interview, she, her dad, uh, she's home sick today. She's fine. She just has a cold. Um, but her dad was making her chili and was like, oh, what do you want on your chili? Do you want cheese on your chili? And she was like, yes, I want lots of cheese because at school, they don't give us enough cheese. And it just made my heart so happy because I know someday she's going to be like, mm, cheese, that's a high calorie food. I can only have a little, like, I can't have that. Or I can, but you know what? Today she's eight. And she was like, yes, I like cheese. I want lots of cheese. And I was like, yes, you do. Yes. Good for her. <laughs> so I'm just, someday she'll, she will encounter it. But for today, I am just trying to drill in those positive messages that God loves you and he created you and he has something amazing and special. And it's going to be so exciting to figure out what that is and drill them in to prepare her in advance and to talk to her about all of the things, because someday she is going to get those messages. She's going to go out in the world. She's going to hear them. And I want them to just like ping right off of her. Like that doesn't even make sense um, because Mm -hmm. she has such the foundation. So that's what we're doing in my family. Um, I'll have to let you know in 10 years how it works out. Yeah. But for now, it's working out really well. That's amazing. And just your, your, I can feel your, your passion and your energy for, you know, even how you might say that to them and, and making it seem so you're not, you're not just saying it to, you know, check off a box or, or read a list of, of, you know, daily mantras that they need to hear. It's literally something that you're passionate about and it can feel that. And I, I'm assuming like that, those are the ways that you would say that to them. And it just, it really comes across. So I love that you are, you know, helping because you're right. This, especially in this age, there's no escaping those messages. There isn't. And so it's, it's more about being prepared for it, not mm-hmm. avoiding it or hoping it doesn't happen and, and being naive to the fact that it will happen. So thank you for, for sharing for any other moms out there. I really hope that helps you know what to do with your own daughters and sons. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add about, um, you know, knowing someone who might be struggling now as a friend or a mom or a family member and what you might tell them about how they could help or ways that might, might be helpful and receptive and, and the, the person who's struggling may be more receptive to it. Yeah. I think the first thing, and I'll try to keep this brief because there's so much I could say. Um, the first thing I would say is to consider your relationship with them, because if it is like a coworker, you don't know them. They could be going through any number of things you don't know. Um, but if it is somebody close to you, or if this is something you have a lot of experience in yourself, I think, especially if it's a very dear friend or a family member, um, there are times where you have an obligation to speak up and to say something. If they are a grown up and you are not married to them, um, I mean, even if you are married to them, they're a, are, they are a human being with free will. They have the ability to do what they want. So you can't make them do anything. But I think, Coming in with some of those same messages um, that I love you, I care about you. I'm kind of concerned about you. Is there anything that I, um, anything that I should know? Is there anything that I can talk to you about? Um, if you have an eating disorder yourself, or if you have in a pa- in the past, um, sharing some of your own story, I think can be so helpful. That's part of the reason why I'm wanting to be so open about all of the things, is because shame thrives in secrecy, and we oh, yeah. all deal with something. 
everybody, everybody has something. And so Mm -hmm. I think when you go first and you say, Hey, here's what I deal with. And here's how God has helped me through that opens so many doors for other people. Because when Satan is just whispering and whispering and being that annoying fly, if that's the only voice you can hear, it's so loud. But when you have people around you who are just giving you that, you know, I love you so much. I am so thankful that you are here. I just, you you brought up, brighten up the room and I just love the skill about you. Um, I wouldn't necessarily comment on their body. Don't tell them how skinny they are. That is not a wise choice because um, you're reinforcing that narrative of skinny is good. Um, I like to be skinny, but there's lots of ways to like to be, um, but just letting them, I love you. I am here for you. If there's anything, I, I will bake you cookies. Like, what can we do? Like, let's go out to lunch. Um, being around them, I think can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest thing, especially if it's someone you're not really close to is just being there and letting them know, um, I love you. You're so good at this. I'm so excited for your future. Oh, you should do this. And sometimes even dreaming for them when they get a little bit into their head and they can't see the bigger picture. Like, oh, you're such a good mom or, oh, you're so valuable and giving them some other things to kind of help them focus on a little bit more. Those are really good. There's a lot of, a lot of variation there and just yeah, taking the focus off body is so, so important. Uh, Well, before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to share anything you'd like to um, speak to. I know you already, um, you know, mentioned your website and just anything else, any ways that people can connect with you and and what they can expect, um, especially social media or anything like that. Go ahead and share. Yeah. So like I said earlier, my name again is Brittany Ann and I run the website equippinggodlywomen.com where I challenge, encourage, and equip busy Christian moms or any Christian, we have plenty of not moms, um, any Christian woman to be all in, in faith and family. Um, my latest two books would be a fantastic read. If you want to dive in even more on some of the topics that we are talking about, not specific to body image and eating disorders, um, but fall in love with God's word is designed to help you to get in the Bible and truly enjoy reading God's word. And that is just so foundational. And I think if you can get if you are somebody struggling with an eating disorder or you know somebody, it can be so overwhelming and so insurmountable to, okay, I've got to fix all of this. You know what? Let's just start simple. Let's get in God's word. Let's see what he says about you. Um, let's just get started there. And that's going to change so much for you. Um, so fall in love with God's word is going to help you to create that amazing um, time in God's word that's so filling. And then also I have follow God's will. That is going to help you. Okay. I have somebody in my life. I have a situation. I don't know what to do. Like, how do I, like, I've read the Bible, but like, let's make it practical. How do I yeah. live this out? Um, follow God's will. It's all about that. How do we take what we're reading and figure out how do I have this conversation? How do I confront when I need to? How do I know? Um, and we have so much in that book, which is really practical guidance to help you figure out how to um, love God's word and live it out. I love that. Yeah, I think we all need those those books and those messages. So thank you, Brittany Ann. I really appreciate you joining today. And I really hope that all of you listening will go check out her website and social media, same Equipping Godly Women as well on Instagram. And yeah, thank you for sharing your story. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, friends. I hope this conversation encouraged you today. And if it did, please let me know by rating and reviewing the Recover With God podcast wherever you are listening. Your feedback helps others find this podcast too. 
and click that follow button so you don't miss new episodes airing every Wednesday this season. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and additional resources we talked about today. And don't forget, whether you need help or you want to help, all help comes from God.